Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge. Because as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. You guys, it is the very last day of Friday. I mean, Friday of February. And I hope that you guys have had an amazing February. That means that it's officially the very last day of Black History Month if you're listening to the episode on the first day that it dropped. But by now, we all should know that every month is Black History Month. So we're going to have to start celebrating this thing year-round as opposed to just the shortest month of the year. Also, let's make sure that the things that we did, the steps that we took towards improving our heart health, we continue throughout the year, you guys. We want to be here for our kids and our children's children, right? So if that's the case, we have got to learn to take care of ourselves and push each other to, to be the best versions of ourselves. Lately, I know you guys have heard last week, the Alabama Supreme Court ruled that embryos now have rights. And that's because there was um, an IVF storage center in South Alabama that had some damage to embryos. Now, this can happen. This is, these are risks that we discuss before patients get IVF, right? It's, we talk about during the preconception process. We talk about during preconception planning and counseling. And then um, prior to banking, we talk about the fact that embryos can be damaged in storage. They can be damaged if they're transported from one state to another, from storage facility to storage facility. And they can also be damaged if the power just goes off, right? The power goes out and a backup generator fails. That could accidentally fall embryos that do not um, are not ready yet to be transferred. And so the Supreme Court of Alabama said, hey, all unborn children have rights, right? And it doesn't matter what stage they're in. It doesn't matter if they're in the uterus or extra uterine, which if you are in a freezer, that means you're not in the uterus. Um, it doesn't matter uh, the gestational age. All, all um, embryos, all fertilized eggs have rights. They are all considered children with rights. Well, that is huge, right? Because if you say that, then that puts IVF or, or IVF procedures in great jeopardy. So let's talk about that today because this is, this is what's been shared with me at least 10 times in the last week. Like, have you seen this? Have you heard of this? What are your patients going to do? What are you going to tell them during your preconception counseling? So I'm going to talk to you guys about that on this episode today. And at first I started to have one of my really good REI friends on this episode. And then I thought to myself, no, I want to come from this um, 
from a very unbiased lens. Um, I feel like bringing REI doctor on to talk about for this initial discussion, maybe a little bit biased, right? Because this impacts what they're going to do with their businesses. And I don't want you guys to hear from it from an REI doctor that's that livelihood depends on this. I'd rather you hear from it from a maternal fetal medicine perspective, from a high-risk pregnancy perspective. How can this judgment impact all patients that may undergo an IVF? And not just that, can impact patients in general. So we're going to talk about this um, on this episode and I'll break down what this ruling means and what implications it has on the future of, uh, of women's health. So to start, when we say IVF, okay, that stands for in vitro fertilization. And this is performed by the retrieval of an egg. So women have to, you know, inject um, different hormones to stimulate the release and maturity of an egg. Those eggs are then retrieved from the patient. And then the sperm is retrieved from the, the male partner, okay? And then that is used to fertilize the egg. That sperm is used to fertilize the egg outside of the body, okay? So in a little dish, the sperm and egg are put together to create an embryo, okay? And then once that embryo gets to a certain stage, Okay, usually three to five cell stage, they are going to sample, take a sample and send that off for the baby's genetic makeup. And while they're waiting on the baby's genetic makeup, those embryos are frozen. Okay. So it takes about two weeks for us to get the genetic makeup back. And when you get it back, it'll tell you the breakdown of each one of the embryos. They're all labeled. And it'll say embryo number one, this is a female 46XX normal. Embryo number two, this is a male that has a, you know, 46 XY, but there's a deletion on chromosome, I don't know, 12, you know, it tells you those types of details of each one of them. And so based on those results, you know that, hey, number two has a chromosome abnormality. So we don't want to transfer that one. We want to transfer, you have the option of transferring to genetically normal ones. Now, what do you do with the genetically abnormal ones? Well, usually you can discard those or donate them for scientific research or keep them, okay? So you either store, discard, or transfer, okay? You have that decision for each one of the embryos. So if you, and the the goal of an egg retrieval is to get as many eggs as possible. So you can fertilize as many eggs as possible so that you have options because you don't want to, only retrieve one egg and fertilize one egg because we know that IVF success rate is only roughly 30, 35%, right? So you want to make sure that you have enough eggs retrieved so that you're transferring usually one embryo or or maybe two, okay, at a time. And for the rest of them, you're going to freeze them until you are ready to use them, right? You retrieve six six, uh, eggs and you fertilize and you get five embryos. You're not going to transfer all five of them. You freeze them for later use, even after the genetic testing comes back, even if all five of them are normal. You you don't want to have, you know, quads or, you know, sextuplets. That's an extremely high-risk pregnancy, and it's extremely high-risk to have all those babies at a pre-viable gestational age. So, and 
ethically, you don't want to transfer all of those babies at the same time. So you usually freeze them. Now, the issue is we can't tell, or your REI doctor is not going to be able to tell when they retrieve the egg, which egg is going to be fertilized and be a normal embryo and which one is not. Okay. And yes, you can have a fresh transfer, which means that you're transferring before you get genetic testing results. But what do you do with the other eggs? Because you can't discard them. And if you can't freeze them because of fear that they may be damaged, then what do you do? So that's the conundrum that we're in. Here's a little synopsis about what happened in the state of Alabama. So with the Supreme Court ruling in Alabama, an IVF embryo is now identified as a child, right? So now couples who were trying to have IVF and lost frozen embryos in the accident at South Alabama Storage Facility can now sue under the state's wrongful death law, okay? Now, there are several facilities in Alabama that said, wait a minute, we got a haul. We just can't do this because we don't know what this means for us, okay? Because if now those embryos are now looked at as children, we got to handle things a little bit differently from a legal standpoint. So now University of Alabama, Alabama Fertility Services, and the Center for Reproductive Medicine, in conjunction with related hospital system, which is infirmary health, they announced they're pausing all the treatments. So you can imagine if somebody was ready for an embryo transfer Monday, they can't get it. And it's not like, oh, well, you can just get it next week when they figure it out. No, you have to start all your medicines over again. You have to do your trigger shots. You have to actually have the right hormones and at the right time to have your embryos transferred. So now you have to wait for your transfer to happen. And then two, if you were going to get your eggs retrieved and they're halting because they're like, wait a minute, we don't know what we're going to be doing with the frozen embryos. So now maybe you should freeze eggs instead of embryos. We need to go back and counsel that patient to let her know about the options of freezing eggs versus embryos. And if she decides to freeze embryos, we need to have her sign a different set of consents. So instead of having that done, if you're supposed to do that this week, now you got to wait a whole nother month at least to have your eggs retrieved. Now, if you're already 40, every month costs you eggs. So you want to be as aggressive as possible, but these laws are pumping the brakes on all of it simply because they don't know what to do with the other embryos, okay? Because people are like, well, they can just get a fresh transfer. Yeah, but if they retrieved like 10 eggs and they fertilized and got six embryos, what are they going to do with the other embryos, right? Like, Because there's nothing that says... 100% of the time, your embryos are not going to be damaged during storage. Mm -mm. And nobody wants to take that liability on because people can lose their medical license. You get sued, you can't afford anything. One, you could lose your medical license depending on, you know, the extent of the lawsuit. And two, you could lose your medical malpractice insurance. Just like car insurance, you get an an accident, they might drop you. Same thing with, with liability insurance. They may drop you, okay? And then the time you spend preparing for the lawsuit is time that you are not being able to perform anything clinically. So it's taking money away and it's also taking patient time away from 
the provider and other families. So it is a lot if you don't know what to do with the storage. Okay. And I think people are missing it. Like it's, it's not that people don't want fresh transfers, although there's a place for some people to get fresh transfers and there's a place for people to get genetic testing and freezing. Every couple is a little bit unique and different. And IVF is individualized and tailored to that patient's needs. And most patients that get pregnant via IVF, they could not have gotten pregnant naturally. So halting halting this, even by a month, could really impact someone's ability to retrieve a significant amount of eggs that can then be fertilized. And it could also make them miss their window for transfer. So, you know, this has really um, caused a lot of implication in terms of the rights of women's health. Now, on Friday, the Supreme Court of Alabama further said that extrauterine children were also covered under the wrongful death law. And the Alabama case revolves around civil wrongful death claims, not criminal charges over the death of embryos. So what this means is, the doctors and patients are not going to jail, but they can get sued for a monetary amount. Okay, that's what that means. Now, the much bigger implications of this is once one state does it, the other states are coming behind them, right? So conservative states are going to follow Alabama. And if Texas isn't already a huge issue, Governor Greg Abbott announced over the weekend and said the Texas will also address IVF and the rights of the unborn children after the Alabama ruling was finalized. So, you know, Texas has already vowed to follow behind them. Other states, likely the ones that already have abortion restrictions, will also try to go after embryos and the rights of embryos as well. Now, in addition to civil charges giving the embryos in the storage facilities, right, it also... It could also have legal implications for any extra uterine pregnancy. We're talking about ectopic pregnancies as well, y'all. And that's a whole different ballgame because ectopic pregnancies won't develop into viable babies. And they are actually a surgical emergency. But think about it. If you're trying to give rights to an extra uterine pregnancy, i.e. an ectopic pregnancy, you're going to have a lot of people hesitating to take people to the operating room to get rid of the ectopic pregnancy. Although we know that it could cause rupture of the tube. It can cause the patient to have internal bleeding. It can cause a patient to die. We know that, but now it's going to cause for people to have to get ethics consults to be able to do their job. The Epic team is not, you know, is at home. So now it's a matter of getting enough more people on the ethical councils available to go through the chart and make a decision within 24 hours when you might not have 24 whole hours. But you're going to have a lot of healthcare providers thinking that they're going to be wrapped up in some Alabama civil suit because they've handled an extra uterine, i.e. ectopic pregnancy. So this is much better than this little bitty ruling. This is talking about all pregnancies that are not in the uterus. If we end it, then this baby, who we know will never be a baby, it just causes impact on the life of the mother, can have rights and you can file civil suit. All right, now, now that y'all have my general overview of the Alabama Supreme Court ruling, let's go straight to your questions because you guys had quite a few 
And I want to make sure we got to them this episode. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So medical, in- medical intern, welcome <laughs> back. Thank you. <laughs> so what's our first question? The first question is, what if I already have embryos in storage in Alabama? I would like to have one more child. I have three normal embryos in storage. Should I transfer all three? So this is the situation that a lot of women in Alabama are going through, right? Like I have embryos in storage. What do I do? Because now this these embryos have rights and I just can't leave them in storage indefinitely anymore because what happens if they get damaged, right? Well, that is the big deal. So some people... And some providers are recommending that the embryos be stored at another out-of-state facility. The the issue, the people that suffer here are the patients because they're going to now incur an additional cost of storage out-of-state. They're going to have to travel out-of-state to be able to sign sign over uh, the embryos to another storage facility. Those embryos could be damaged in transport to the said other storage facility. Or if she wants to use them in the future, could also be damaged on the way back, which puts everybody at risk for liability. Okay. So when we talk about who's at risk for liability and who's not, when I say liability, I mean suit, getting sued. This is a big deal. Now, you sounds like you're trying to avoid all that altogether and say, I got three left. Let me just transfer all three. That is unethical. We do not transfer more than two embryos. Ideally, it's one embryo at a time unless you are somebody that's had some failed transfers. Then your REI doctor says, okay, let's go ahead and transport two, transfer two, but not over two, okay? Transferring three when we know that, hey, there's a possibility that you could have an embryo that splits into twins and now you have quads. It's very unethical, okay? Triplets and quad pregnancies are very high-risk pregnancies for preeclampsia, which is when you have high blood pressure and vascular damage, which we look for as protein in your urine, also a higher risk for heart strain or cardiomyopathy associated with pregnancy. It's also a higher risk for C-section, higher risk for blood loss. Obviously, if we have patients that have triplets and quads, we do what we have to do to maximize and optimize the patient care. But we don't intentionally put patients at more danger by transferring three and four embryos, not in the United States. That is dangerous. And so we can't do that. So what else could you do? Well, you could have a couple more babies. You could, you have three normal embryos. You could have transfer two and then the next time transfer the last one. If that's something that you are really ready for, I would not tell somebody to transfer, you know, more than one embryo or to have more kids when they weren't wanting more kids just because of this ruling. I would not do that. I would, however, look into outside facilities to get them transferred there. 
Um, I will also talk to your REI provider and say, listen, I understand the risk. Can I sign additional paperwork that says I understand the risk of storage and continue to store? Because some are continuing to do IVF procedures and continuing to store in reals and others are not, right? Because it's very risky and they want to make sure that their legal team has reviewed all of those uh, consent forms to make sure they have everything um, covered to reduce the liability as much as possible on the physician and um, the care team. Now, one thing you could do is some people do compassionate transfers. Compassionate transfers mean, hey, there's a certain time of the month where you have an LA surge. There's a certain time of the month where your hormones are going to be optimized or optimal for conception, right? And so they just implant them sort of willy-nilly, like go ahead and just transfer them when we know they're not going to survive, right? We know that you're not, they're not going to take. We can transfer them at that time, and that's called compassionate transfer and because it will not implant into the uterus because it's not the optimal timing. Now, that still incurs a cost, right? You still got to pay for the transfer procedure for embryos you know won't survive, okay? So to me, that's, that's also, you know, an ethical dilemma, but that has been given as the um, alternative in that regard. Um, you know, the good thing is you do have the option of transferring the embryos to another state to be stored if you want to take your time having children and you want to continue to freeze the embryos you don't use. Um, so that's one good thing. The second good thing is that in this letter, you didn't put anything about having uncontrolled maternal issues. So for me, that means that you're relatively healthy and you do still have time. Um, you do still have time to conceive. So this is a tough situation, but you really have to talk to your REI doctor about, are they still doing storage right now and then facility? Or do they recommend that you get your embryos transferred out of state to another facility? That really needs to be the conversation that you have. No, they won't transfer three, but you can talk to them about transferring two if you so desired. I usually don't give case pros for questions, but for me, this, this was a good question. Not saying the other ones were, but I have not talked about this before. So I want to make sure I mention it today as a case pearl. And the case pearl for this case is compassionate transfer is implantation of the embryo into the uterus at the time when the pregnancy is the least likely to occur. So you're just basically wasting an embryo. All right, medical intern, what's our next question? This one says, Dr. Plenty, I know you used to practice in Texas, does this new ruling allow for prosecution of patients and physicians like it does in Texas? Well, not yet, right? So Texas still has IVF providers. They still are able to freeze embryos and store them. You don't have the IVF stuff happening in Texas. But like I said, Governor Greg Abbott, who's the governor of Texas, has already said that Texas will tackle this now that Alabama has been successful this law does not prosecute doctors, physicians, or patients, okay? The Texas laws, the six-week abortion ban, did. It could, you could sue um, the physician, the patient, anybody that sort of, quote, unquote, aided and abetted an abortion, even if that doctor didn't do the abortion, just by them mentioning and counseling about the option of abortion, they could then be caught up in a lawsuit. 
And that lawsuit would go on their medical license. They could lose their medical license. Most of the invitations that people threw out in Texas were, excuse me, let me backtrack. The short answer is no, this is not a criminal judgment. This is for civil cases only. So in Texas, yes, it's civil and it could have criminal implications because a physician could literally go to jail and a patient could also go to jail depending on the circumstances. But most of the time, those were civil cases. Okay, so Texas, both civil and criminal could be implied there. For the IVF ruling for Alabama Supreme Court, no, it is not criminal. It is just civil. But we know that that's a first step. That's why it's so scary. Is it then going to have some type of criminal implication behind it in the long run? We don't know. But we think it's a possibility to come in the future based on where, we, where we've gone since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So we're on a slippery slope, a very slippery slope. It's, it's going to run a lot of IVF providers probably out of the state of Alabama. And that's going to mean that people in Alabama that otherwise could not conceive without IVF may have to incur more costs by having to go to another state. And with IVF, if you're familiar, you're going to the doctor quite a bit. You're getting hormones drawn daily at some point. You're getting injections at home. You're coming back for levels for, you know, your lab levels, your estrogen levels. You're coming back for that. And then you have to come weekly to get ultrasounds to look at the baby once after the transfer. Can you imagine having to drive to Georgia every week or to another state every week because now you have no IVF doctor in the state? That's going to be horrible for patients. So no, it's not no criminal implication like Texas, but to me, this is far worse because this really does limit people if you cannot, if you have to worry about the civil implications and going bankrupt if something happens with the storage facility. All right, medical intern, what's our uh, our next question? This one says, Dr. Plenty, my husband and I are both carriers of spinal muscular atrophy. We know we have a 25% chance of having a baby with spinal muscular atrophy and would like to avoid this serious condition. Therefore, we would like to go through IVF and get genetic testing. Does genetic testing require that embryos be frozen or can I avoid all of the controversy and just get testing and transfer at the same time? To get testing and transfer at the same time would be counterproductive, right? The reason that you get genetic testing on an embryo, if you have a known family history of a genetic disease, is because you have a one in four chance of that embryo having the genetic condition, right? If you're going to take a risk, you might as well just get pregnant naturally and take a risk. You, you know, getting genetic testing and then finding out after the fact that you've transferred a baby that now has spinal muscular atrophy would now put you in a situation where you have to decide if you're having a baby with spinal muscular atrophy, or if you are going to terminate, which is a whole different ball game because you're not going to be able to do that in the state of Alabama. So then you have to go out of the state if you decide to terminate. So the point of IVF and getting genetic testing, pre-implantation genetic testing, is to make sure you don't transfer 
an affected fetus or an affected embryo. Okay. So if you're getting genetic testing, you, you need to wait to get the transfer and that's going to take two weeks, which means that you're going to have flash freezing and storage during that freezing process of that embryo. So no, you're not going to be able to avoid the controversy if you are getting genetic testing. And then also, if you do go through IVF, then you also could be retrieving a lot of eggs and trying to fertilize several eggs, which means that you may have several embryos or AKA fertilized eggs is an embryo. You may have several embryos you can't yet transfer. So, so if you're going through the IVF process, this is a big deal for everyone because you always have to store what you don't use, right? Which means that now we have to worry about damage to those and some type of civil liability in the event that those embryos are damaged. And this kind of stuff can happen. Embryos do get damaged in the process. So, um, so, so no, you, you can't avoid it. Unfortunately, um, you could elect to do a fresh transfer, but again, unless you're having problems getting pregnant, if you're going to do a fresh transfer, you might as well just get pregnant on your own and get early genetic testing and then make a decision whether to terminate or continue the pregnancy, as opposed to going through the expensive process of IVF. So the reason that you're going through an expensive process of IVF, so you know that you are transferring a genetically normal baby. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth it for you unless you had literally fertility issues. All right, medical intern, do we have any more email questions or cases? And she's shaking her head, no. So thanks you guys so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast. I hope that you've learned a little bit more about how the Alabama Supreme Court ruling on IVF embryos impacts IVF and women's health in general. If you enjoy the show, make sure to share me with your friends, rate and comment. If you are someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. You can also feel free to check out the website, which is www.drnicoleplenty.com for free pregnancy downloadables. And for goodness sake, y'all catch up on the podcast all four seasons. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.